Welcome to Blaine Christ the King. You are listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at our campus location in Blaine, Washington. Thanks for tuning in. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. This is God's word. Thanks, Brent. Well, how's everybody doing? Summer, right? Everyone should be like feeling a little rested, right? Uh, maybe not. Maybe you guys are busier in the summer. Um, it's good to be with you guys. Uh, one second. Okay. So, yeah, so I haven't preached this like four weeks, and uh, it's good to be back. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I didn't know what to do with myself. Um, but no, it was great. It was cool to have Dakota preach a couple weeks ago on Ecclesiastes 9, and then Shannon last week, man. They both did a great job. Hopefully you were blessed by that and challenged by that. Um, I got good news for you. You know, we've been going through Ecclesiastes now for 11 weeks. This is our 11th week in Ecclesiastes. And if you guys are familiar with Ecclesiastes, like it's a little bit of a downer, you know? And so today is not that much of a downer. Ecclesiastes is, and not that the messages were downers or anything, but, um, you know, it talks about this idea. It makes us wrestle with death. It makes us wrestle with the futility of life and some of the meaningless of life and um, injustice. And um, as we get to Ecclesiastes chapter 11, it starts to turn the corner towards, well, what do we do with life? How do we live? What are we supposed to do? And I know that 12 weeks is a long time to spend in any book, so good news. It's almost over. A couple more weeks. But hopefully you've been enjoying it. Um, but, but what we see in Ecclesiastes is that, yes, we are going to die. Everyone is going to die. Everybody has a date marked that is, is the day that you die. But God has given you a life, so live it. That's sort of the message of Ecclesiastes 11. Yes, you will die, but God has given you life, so live it. Um, I was a pretty cautious kid growing up, if you couldn't tell that just by knowing me, but I was pretty cautious. And uh, when I was in high school, um, I was on a camping trip with some friends, and we were, I lived in Oregon. We are out at Silver Falls, Oregon. How many of you have been to Silver Falls down in the Salem area? Great. No context whatsoever. Um, (laughs) So anyways, it's this park with all these waterfalls, and so me and my friends were, were, were kind of hiking out. We found this waterfall, and people started jumping into it, you know, just big, you know, drop, and there's a you know, bull there, and, you know, logs sticking out and stuff, and, and one of my best friends, Joel, was sort of like that adrenaline junkie. As soon as he saw it, he didn't, like, he had his, all his clothes on, just jumped right in, you know, from as high as he could go. Didn't look at the, the water or anything, just jumped. Um, me, I was afraid. Like, I looked down, and I saw these logs sticking out, 
you know, I saw the water rushing. I was like, man, there's no way I can do this jump. Like everybody around, like, what if there's a log sticking right up where I land, you know? And you looked, at, you, have you ever looked at a cliff and you see like, it's not perfectly straight down, like the rocks kind of curve out. <laughs> like, you know, I started to assess the situation and I kind of got afraid. And so, have, have any of you been there where you're like, it's so embarrassing because your friends are standing around you and you're being a complete coward. Has anybody felt that before? <laughs> like, I can't do it. Um, you know, you've got friends cheering for you, but you're like locked up. And that's kind of what I felt in that moment. And um, finally, it took like 20, 30 minutes until I was like ready to jump. And it was embarrassing too, because somebody like had to jump with me. It's like, okay, we can do this together. <laughs> All right, we got this. And then after I jumped, it was great. And I did it again and again, and it was fine. Um, but one thing that can cripple us in life, which what Ecclesiastes 11 gets at, is that um, we can be overcautious with our lives. Um, instead of living the life that God intended for us to live, instead of seeking him, instead of taking risks, we can decide to protect ourselves. Um, somebody said, you know, instead of adding life to our years, we try to add years to our life, you know, and we just kind of protect ourselves and preserve our life, and we get caught up in chasing security, like how secure can I make my life? And, you know, maybe for a lot of us, like the most important thing in our lives or what we're working towards is that retirement plan. Like, I want to have security throughout my life. And there's nothing wrong with having a retirement plan, but is all of our effort, is our mind in that, in that place. Um, Mark Sayers says that safety is actually the secular view of salvation. Like, in our present life, a lot of people without God, like they view, if I can just make myself safe, that's my salvation. That is what will help me. If I can work hard and control my environment, if I can seclude myself from any danger that might come in my way, um, then I'll be fine. That's, that's how I save myself. Um, you know, we can even bring this into our thinking and think that God would never call me to do anything that's too uncomfortable. <laughs> God would never call me to do anything that would drastically affect my lifestyle. Um, but what did Jesus say? We went through it in Matthew 16. He said, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So if we are too concerned about protecting ourselves, we never really get to live the life that God intended. And so Ecclesiastes puts our fate right in front of us. It says, yes, we're all going to die, but if you spend your life trying to extend your days, if you spend your life trying to add years to your life instead of life to your years, you're missing something. You know, if we spend our life standing on the edge of that waterfall, but we never really jump, like we, we miss out on some of that joy of life. Uh, anybody here seen Braveheart? Right, Braveheart. Uh, some of us. It's a pretty tough movie to watch. That's not one you like watch, you know, on a, you know, just for fun, right? Um, maybe some of you do, but um, you know, there's the final scene in in Braveheart where William Wallace is being led to his execution. You know, he fought these great battles against England, led Scotland to to victory, and now he's being led. The the British have captured him. He's being led, the English, I guess, and he's being led to his execution. And his line there is, he says. You know, every man dies, not yet every man really lives. You know, every man dies, but not every man really lives. That's the point of the whole movie, right? It's like you've got you've to make the most of the time you have, and if, we, if we're too cautious, we miss out. And so 
Um, what we see in Ecclesiastes 11 is that being wise doesn't mean sitting around and waiting for things to happen all the time. It doesn't mean being super scared or cautious, but it actually means trying things. It actually means taking risks. And this is what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 11. He says, cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on the earth. So I want to talk about that because it's, it's wisdom, so it's in, a, it's in a word picture. And there are a few different interpretations of what it can mean to cast your bread upon the waters. But what makes the most sense, given the context, is that he's referring to merchant ships. Um, Israel is on both the Mediterranean Sea and the Red Sea. And what that phrase literally means is to send your bread out and see what you will get in return. Another way it's translated is send your grain and see what you will get in return. And Solomon was the first king in Israel to build these big merchant ships. Before Solomon, Israel didn't do any like maritime trade or anything like that. And he's the first one to come and build sh um, ships. And what would happen, First King says that he would send them out and he wouldn't see them for three years. He would send out his ships, these beautiful things, his, his new toy, right? He would send them out for three years and then they would come back. And I want you to listen to this list because it's, it's funny to me, but um, the list of things that would come back. So gold, silver, ivory, and then apes and monkeys. So you send out grain and then you get gold, silver, ivory, apes and monkeys. I don't know if they were like household pets or what, but, um, but it's more interesting than bread at any rate. So, um, but Solomon had to fully commit. You know, he had to believe that, man, if I, if I send this grain out, that a return is going to come back. He didn't know the dangers that would lie ahead. He couldn't check in on the phone with the captain or anything. There wasn't communication like that. So he was just sending them out blind, just trusting that there would be a return. And that's the point of ships, like setting out when you leave the harbor, like there's always going to be risk. You know, there's always going to be risk when you, when you leave the harbor. Um, but like, what good is a ship if it's just sitting in the harbor, right? And um, life is risky in the same way. God's given us this life to steward. He's given us good things. We've talked about, talked about the gifts that God gives us. And what he's saying is we have to try. We have to try what God gives us, both personally and for the kingdom of God. You know, he's talking about, this is kind of sort of an overarching principle, both personally and in the kingdom of God. So we have to try when it comes to a career. You know, what skills has God given you? What talents has God given you? Are you using them to the best of your ability in a career? Uh, we have to try when it comes to relationships and marriage. Am I stewarding my marriage? Am I stewarding my relationship the way that God would want me to steward it? How about parenting? How much risk is involved in parenting, right? Like, you know, there's a lot of risk. Like, how am I going to do? I was on the mountain with my kids the other day, and, like, every, all the other hikers were, like, just quiet, taken in the mountain, and my kids were, like, the loud ones on the trail, like, ah, blah, blah, running around, like, ruining everybody's moment, you know? <laughs> and I just accepted, like, it's okay for your kids to be a little wild sometimes, you know? You just got to let them go. Um, 
But, you know, we have to try when it comes to using the gifts that God gives us. You know, who knows what kind of return we'll get on those things um, that, God, uh, that God gives. Who knows how he's going to bless or use it. And what I think this passage is also saying is it's okay to whiff sometimes, right? It's okay, you know, like if you've ever played ping pong and you're like going in to smash it and you just totally miss the ball. Like it's okay to do that sometimes. And, um, you know, the second piece of wisdom comes in in verse 2 where Solomon says, Give your portions to seven or even to eight because you don't know what disaster might strike. And so his, Solomon's encouragement is to invest your life both wisely and generously, to spread it out, to give um, wherever God leads you to give. Don't hoard what you have, because at some point, the, the lack of wisdom in that is at some point you're going to lose your life. So what good is it to just hoard what you have? He says, in, instead, invest it in many places. Um, you know, why would he tell someone to spread out their investments? If you think about it, why, why give to seven or eight? Why not just focus on one? And what I think is, you know, we're, we're tempted to get excited about, I think as humans, we're tempted to get excited about one thing and fixate on it. And like, that's the thing. And I think when we do that, sometimes that thing can be an idol in our life, even if it's a good thing. If we're totally focused on this like one thing, anything other than Jesus, then, then that thing can become an idol. Like even a career can become an idol. A, a spouse can become an idol. Um, personal dreams of success. Maybe you have a dream that you're holding on to that you're just inflexible. Maybe God wants to use that in a different way. You know, every... Um, you know, anything that we put our weight in other than Jesus at some point will fail us, you know? And, and, and so I think he's saying, trust God and, and, and do what he calls you to do, even if it looks different, even if it's in a different place than you thought. You know, I, I had friends, who, you know, I've had friends who've made their spouse like their savior. It was, they were, you know, like they wanted their spouse to be Jesus, you know? And they were really disappointed when their spouse wasn't Jesus. You know, I had a friend who kind of demanded perfection from their spouse in kind of every way, and their spouse crumbled under the weight of that expectation, you know? But your spouse cannot be your idol, right? Like, it's putting too much pressure. Your spouse cannot save you. It's only when we're content in Jesus and pursuing Jesus together, hopefully, uh, with your spouse, then that you're content. But anything can become an idol in our lives. A church can become an idol. A person can become an idol. And if, if that happens, like you're setting yourself up for disappointment. But when we're all in on God, when our relationship is secure in God, then we can invest widely. We can invest, and if we whiff or we fail, like God is with us. If, if somebody else fails and it affects us, um, we aren't rattled because we don't have all of our eggs in that basket. All of our eggs are in the Jesus basket, so to speak. Um, yeah, that was, that's a pastor joke. I'm sorry. Uh, funny. Uh, but uh, this is our first point. Um, our first point, and I've said a lot of stuff already, but here you go. Um, we don't need to be afraid to risk when our faith rests in a good God. We don't need to be afraid to whisk, risk, whisk. Uh, we don't need to be afraid to whisk. Uh, we don't need to be afraid to risk when our faith rests in a good God. When we believe that God is good, 
that he loves us, that he, um, that he is going to provide for us, we can take steps of faith. You know, I'm not talking about taking dumb risks, right? Or taking risks that lead to sin or anything like that. But if God's put something on your heart, a passion, maybe you feel inadequacy and you're afraid to step out, know that God is good. You know, God's not going to abandon you. And that's part of faith is believing that God is not going to abandon you. Because I believe that we can trust God both with the personal and with the kingdom. We can trust God for everything in our personal lives and everything for his kingdom. And I think often we believe this lie sometimes about God. Um, We believe a lie that God is sort of fatalistic. Like if we mess up, if we whiff, then he's done with us. You know, I think sometimes we believe that. Like if we, if we mess up, if we make one bad decision, if we step off one track, then he's just done. Like, man, you screwed up. Sorry, uh, I had a quota and you've passed it and I'm done with you. But if, <laughs> but if you hang out with Jesus, you see that that is not his heart. You know, I've had many times in my life where I've had to dis- make decisions with less clarity than I would have liked. You know, I didn't have this voice from God telling me what to do sometimes. Uh, one time was the summer after I graduated from college, and I had to find a job. Uh, I had to find a real job because I had graduated from college, and student loans were about to become active. You have to pay those off. I had gotten married the year before, so it's like, oh, man, uh, I can't just have fun anymore in college. I have to find a real job. And so I spent three months trying to find a job. And I looked all over and I, uh, you know, and had no offers for three months. And, you know, here I am, 22. I'm like, my life is a failure, you know. Uh, But finally, I got two job offers that same week. One was working for a bank. One was working for a staffing company. Two in the same week. I'm like, God, why would you do that? Now I have to decide. And if I, if I make the wrong decision, I'm going to mess everything up forever. You know, it's like that fatalistic idea. And I prayed about it, and I didn't feel any clarity over that situation. I didn't feel like God was pushing me one way or the other. And, you know, at 22, it was like, this was the biggest decision ever, you know. And if I picked the wrong thing, I'd go down the wrong career path, you know. And uh, that's what I felt. But there are times when God doesn't audibly speak. But you know what he gives us? So he gives us wisdom and peace. Is if we, James says, if we ask for the Lord in faith, that he will give us wisdom. And he'll give us a peace to make decisions. And so I think sometimes we get lost in that fatalistic idea of, oh man, if I make the wrong choice, like, like God is going to be angry. But I think there's a bigger question that we miss sometimes. Is are we being faithful to God in everything in our lives? Not just with the big stuff, but with the little stuff. Are we being faithful to pursue God in everything he's called us to do? You know, I had a, I was struggling another time making a decision. I had a mentor tell me, you know, Tyler, if you are being faithful to what God wants you to do, then he's going to honor your decision. Like if you're being faithful in everything that God has called you to do, then he will honor your decision. And there was so much freedom in hearing that, like, okay, I just need to focus on what's truly, truly important. Getting back to my 22-year-old self, I I ended up picking the staffing company, and it wasn't the life-changing, life-altering decision that I thought it was going to be. You know, I learned a lot. It's an important part of my story, but that wasn't the end 
goal of any of it. I'm glad I had that experience, but it wasn't the ultimate thing for me that I felt in that moment. Like, I've got to choose. My life is going to be defined by this thing. And I could have learned a lot of those lessons at the bank, I'm sure, you know. But God gave me the freedom to use wisdom and choose. And so one of the points that is being made here in Ecclesiastes is that life is a gift from God. That he blesses us with good things uh, because we're his children. And when we trust in him, he blesses our life with good things. You know, God is good. You hear that all the time, right? Uh, God is good. We say that, but do we believe it? We say that, but do we believe that God is good? I think a lot of times we doubt that God is good. You know, and Jesus challenged his disciples on this. I want to take us to Matthew 7. He said this. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks you for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? You know, if we are imperfect people and we know how to give good things to our children, why aren't we trusting God to give good things to us? And this is not some kind of prosperity, like if you have enough faith, you'll have a million dollars next week. I'm not saying that. But if we believe that God will give us when we need what we need it, that's faith. If we believe that God is our provider and he will give us what we need when we need it, that's faith. Faith is believing that God will give us what we need. Not everything we want, but what we need. If we ask for bread, he's not going to throw a stone at us. That's good news, right? Um, you know, when we're looking at, at the bills and we're in financial stress, God cares. God cares. And a lot of times we think we're on our own when we're stuck there. A lot of times we go to this survival mode where it's just me against the world. And God wants to enter into that space. More than that, if God's called us to do things that seem daunting, that seems out of our league, that we seem inadequate for, I love how Luke, Luke, Jesus says the same thing, except he says, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more will God empower us through his presence, through his Holy Spirit, to do the things that he's called us to do if we just ask for that? So God shows up when we take steps of faith. So as we cast out ships, we can invest our lives in the work that matters for eternity because we know that God is with us, that he's going to show up, that he will provide. It gives us the freedom to try. You know, a few months ago, um, I asked Bruce and Carolyn over here, to lead an Alpha course. I'm picking on you guys. I'm sorry. But um, I asked them to lead Alpha, and they had never done it before. I had never done it before. We didn't know what we were doing, and now we're two months in. It's been great. Like, God's building a community. People are um, helping each other grow in Christ, and Bruce and Carolyn just wanted to step up and do something and try it. And I thought about it, and I was thinking maybe instead of waiting for the perfect thing, maybe we need to do the faithful thing. Like, what's the faithful thing? What has God given us that we can do? Is it time, talent, treasure? Um, Christopher Wright said this. I like, I like this. He says, we want to be driven by a purpose that has been tailored for our individual lives. 
when we should be seeing the purpose of all of life, including our own, is wrapped up in the great mission of God for the whole of creation. So instead of asking God to, to tailor fit, uh, you know, a perfect scenario for our lives, what if we just got wrapped up in this greater story of God? What if we just got wrapped up in the bigger mission of God that he's called his church to be a part of? If we were lost in the bigger story and we just tried things believing that God would show up. Um, it's interesting, you know, sometimes I think we, are wa we wait for that perfect scenario and we get stuck waiting. And I want to share what Solomon says in verse 4. He says this. He says, he who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. I mean, how much wisdom is in that, right? You don't know, so try. I mean, that's what he's saying. You don't know, so be faithful to what God's called you to do. And here's the point, is that we can risk, we can risk without knowing every outcome, because God is in control. We can risk without knowing all the outcomes, without having, having the plan dialed in, because God is in control. Solomon gives us this picture of a farmer who's standing in his field on a, on a you know, day where there's clouds out in the sky. You know, he doesn't know what's going to happen. This is before like the farmer's almanac, you know, so he's just like trying to, you know, make his best guess on what the season's going to look like. And he spends his time just looking at his circumstances instead of actually sowing his field to see what will happen. He's saying, if you spend all of your time worrying about the clouds, you're not going to sow anything. You're not going to reap anything because you will not have been faithful to the work that God called you to do. I don't know what those clouds look like in your life. I don't know what circumstances you're kind of like sitting back at and being like, I don't know if I can jump in or make this change because of X, Y, or Z. But we all have those clouds. We all have those mountains that seem so huge, like no one can overcome them. And in faith, God asks us to just trust him and just do the faithful thing. Tim Keller says this. I love how he puts it. He says, God wants us to both be sober-minded and courageous. He wants us to be sober-minded, to, to think wisely, but he also wants us to be courageous, to step out in faith. God wants us to be both wise and bold. Like he wants us to trust him and take steps forward, but also be wise. So he doesn't want us to be careless or reckless or, okay, cool, I'm just going to go out today, drive 100 miles on the freeway, God's got me. Like, that's not the point. Um, you know, but God wants us to move. You know, God wants us to pray towards movement. God, what would you have me do? What have you called me to? But we all have clouds that we look at and say, I can't do that. Maybe that cloud is inadequacy. Man, I could never do that. I don't have the skills. You know, maybe that, that cloud is, is turmoil at work, turmoil, turmoil at home. I don't know what it is, but we all have those clouds that we get stuck staring at. But the question is, do we still trust that God is good and that he is in control? Because Solomon says, we don't know how God works. 
You know, we don't know how God like forms a baby in the womb and gives that baby a soul and a spirit. We don't, we don't know any of that, but we know it happens. We don't know how God works. We just know that he does work, you know, and he meets us when we take steps of faith. We know that somehow he works together all things for good, those who trust in him, who are called according to his purpose. And he says, as you do not know the way of this, I said that already. (laughs) Um, Yeah, there you go. Um, Whiff. No, sorry. Uh, uh, You know, we don't understand all the mysteries of God. We'll never get there. But faith doesn't require us to have all of it dissected. It just requires us to take the leap, to take the jump. Um, I think we're quick to put limits on ourselves, right? We're quick to, to be our own worst enemy, like, well, I did this, God can't use me, or I, I did this, God would never want to, to use me there. Um, I've messed up too many times. I had a season in my life where I was so down on myself, I thought God could never use me for anything ever. And the truth is, he restores, God restores us. And part of that is stepping out in faith. Solomon says, you don't know what effect sowing your seed will have. You don't know what effect, how God might use your words of encouragement to someone. You don't know how God might use your presence um, to encourage someone or lead them to Christ, someone who's grieving in a hospital. You don't know the simple ways that you serve. You don't know the full impact. You won't know the full impact this side of heaven. Even things that seem small, even just being present with someone can speak volumes, can change lives. So Solomon's encouragement is to sow your seed, that take what God has given you and use it. Discern what God wants you to do and do it. Don't look at the sky. Trust the God who controls the sky, right? And just be faithful. Um, He says, in the morning sow your seed and and at evening withhold not your hand for you do not know which will prosper. And so kind of the final point is this um, that we're going to unpack today is don't be overcautious about investing your life. Be faithful and open to the opportunity that God gives you. Don't be overcautious about investing your life, but be faithful and open to the opportunities that God gives you. I want to share a a little story about a a group within the church called the Jesuits. And maybe a lot of you have probably heard of them. They were a group of Jesus followers within the Catholic Church. And they have an amazing history. Like if you look at their history, they actually spread the hope of Jesus to 112 different countries. Um, They started networks, huge networks of churches, hospitals, schools, universities all over the world. Um, Jesuits became confidence to, uh, confidants to European kings, queens, emperors in China, Japan, um, in India. Like, they were everywhere. And they made this huge, huge impact for Jesus. But I think one of the reasons they did that is they had this motto. Their motto was, live with one foot raised. Their motto was live with one foot raised. Everybody, no, everybody do that. No, kidding. Um, but they were always ready to respond to whatever opportunities God laid before them. They were ready to act. They were ready to work because they had, they, they prayed for opportunities. They were primed and ready to go. And in all the opportunities that came in their path, they learned and they took that knowledge into new places. 
you know, as followers of Jesus, we need to be faithful to what he's called us to do. And in some ways, we need to be ready. We need to live with one foot raised. If God calls us, it, could, it, it might not be going to Thailand, um, but, but it might be walking over to your neighbor's house uh, with cookies. You know, it might be um, serving, maybe coming here on a Wednesday night when they're doing a community meal and just talking to people. Like, I don't know what one foot raised looks like in your life, but it's that idea of being ready to respond to what God wants you to do. And obviously, we've heard about sowing seed before in the Bible, right? Like, Jesus talked about sowing seed. And he talked about sowing seed in terms of the gospel, spreading the gospel to everybody in our path. And, and he says the sower goes out to sow, and he sends, spreads it everywhere. He goes, spreads some on the path, the rocky ground, thorns, and the good soil. And some takes root, and some doesn't. But the, the, the job of the sower is not to determine where it will take root and where it won't. His job is to just sow. His job is to just spread the good news of Jesus, not just in word, but also in deed, to spread the love and the hope of Jesus everywhere you go. I think what this passage in Ecclesiastes makes us wrestle with is that we need to know that we don't cause the growth. We don't cause things to grow. We just sow. We're just faithful to what God wants us to do. Um, I want to share this last passage here in uh, Mark 4.26. And the band can, can come on up. We're going to uh, close pretty quick here. But in Mark 4.26, Jesus explains it this way. He says, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So the sower just sows. The sower is just faithful to what God's called him to do. The sower is just obedient, and then God does that work. That's the amazing thing about God. We believe in a God that's active. We believe in a God that's not just saying, okay, you guys take care of it now. He's active in our work. And you could be sowing seed, sowing this hope of Jesus wherever you are. You, you don't have to move to Thailand or Cambodia. You can do it at work. We're supposed to do it anywhere we are, everywhere. You know, whether we're on the path or the, you know, wherever. A anyone we come in contact with, it's just as we go, we sow. And we trust God that, that uh, you know, sometimes I think we're quick to write people off, right? We're saying th this person is kind of a lost cause. But in Jesus' kingdom, there are no lost causes. There are no lost causes. And so he just wants us to be faithful. And so I want to ask you as we close today, are you being faithful? Are you being open? Um, are you being faithful to what God has, has uh, called you to do? Are you being open to opportunities that he may be giving you? And if not, how are you holding back? Are there ways that you're holding back? See, we all have time, we all have talent, we all have treasure that we're supposed to entrust to God, that we're supposed to give to God. And 1 Corinthians 12 says that in the church, God's given us all a variety of gifts, a variety of activities, a variety of skills to build up the church to reach the world. And we all have different things. And so for you, it's important to know what is that thing? What is God called me to steward? 
What are you doing with the opportunities that God has given you? Because one thing we're in danger of, if we don't entrust God, if we don't take steps forward, is it's easy to be a cynic on the sidelines. It's easy to stand at the cliff and say, man, this, this is ridiculous over here. What's going on? It's easy to be critical when you're sitting on the sidelines. But God wants us to be in the arena. You know, we are imperfect people. You might be watching other people and say, man, they're imperfect. But God wants us to, to not let that affect the way that we obey. He wants us to be in the arena. Because we don't trust in a perfect team, a perfect plan. We trust in a perfect God. We trust in a perfect God. You know, when we were, um, remember when we were planning this church last year, um, and I got to see uh, as, much as, as much as it was a step of faith for us to go out, it was also a, an act of faith for North, CTK North Bay to send us. You know, and I got to see Pastor Dan just be obedient to God in that. He didn't have it all figured out. He admitted, I don't, I don't have it all figured out, but I'm going to be faithful to what God is doing. You know, I'm going to trust him. And if God is wanting to, to move and if God's wanting to plant this church, I don't want to be in the way of that. And even when it put him in a vulnerable position, he was still faithful to what God called him to do. And that's the heart of sending. It's not to try to preserve our life, but it's to risk. We're not supposed to hang on, we're supposed to sow. We don't want to get stuck staring at the sky. We want to be faithful to what God calls us to do. Let's pray. Jesus, there, uh, we are your children, God. And uh, God, we come before you this morning, Father, uh, from all different places, God, from all different um, different backgrounds, experiences, careers, families, God. And you've given us all gifts. You've given us, God, your children, God, the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Father, that you would, you would work in our hearts this morning, that you would, through the Holy Spirit, impact us, God. Show us what you have for us, God. Are there areas in our life where we're afraid to risk? Are there areas in our life where we're afraid to let you have what we have? God, don't let us be stuck, Father. Let us move. God, and if for anyone here who has something that, you, that you've called them to do and are afraid, I pray for courage. God, if anyone here is stuck in a valley of indecision, I pray for wisdom. Um, God, I pray that you would be active, that your presence would be felt here, God. And I thank you for how you move, that you care for every part of our lives, that you are good in every part of our lives. God, that we might not always get what we want, but if we trust you, you make sure that we get what we need. And so I pray, Father, you give us new eyes. God, I pray that you give us new courage. I pray that you would give us new vision, God, and that you would continue to soften our heart so that we might hear your voice, God, and follow what you have for us. Lord, we thank you, God. We trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.